Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me this week and every other week is my friend Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Whether it's contractual or the terms of my parole, Sammy is correct. Just say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Thank you. Um, in case it's the first time you're listening to our podcast, I'm sorry for being so mean to Ben right there. Um, but I should point out that Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we've driven some of the coolest and newest vehicles, and I can't wait to tell you all about them. If you want to read more about some of the things that we've covered, you, I suggest you go to autoguide.com. That's where you're going to find most of my coverage. And you can find Ben's stuff at Autoguide as well, um, as well as New York Daily News. The what other websites do you write for, Ben? Um, Automobile Magazine. Oh, right. Driving Line, Haggerty, Driving Classic line. Car, and a few other, a few other places out there. Okay, Ben. This week you're leading our podcast off because we're going to talk about some trucks. Is we're this a real truck we're talking about? We're talking about one truck, uh, and that truck is the 2019 Ford Ranger. Do you remember the Ranger? Only one truck. Do you remember the Ranger, Sammy? I do remember the Ranger, uh, mainly because I had so many infestations that the Orkin man had to come, and he <laughs> always came with this Ranger, and I was like, if only I could live in the Ranger and not my but my cockroach-infested apartment. I'm surprised the Orkin man would make a pilgrimage all the way to the emergency room to take care of your very personal <laughs> infestations. Oh, my God. They're like, yeah, we don't need a nurse. We need the Orkin man. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Wow, I'm being punished for that joke. Yeah, um, you ought to be. Um, tell me about the Ranger. Is it it's back for good? Well, I, I can't predict the future, Sammy, and I wish you'd stop asking me to, but it's back for now, and I think that that's the most important thing. Um, what does that mean? Why it, is it back? It means that uh, over the last five years or so, people at you know in the in the corporate suite at uh, major car companies realized, hey, um, there might be a market for small trucks again. And when I say small trucks, I mean Trucks that are midsize, which is code for this is what a full-size truck looked like two decades ago. Or sorry, not two decades, two generations ago. Um, So the Tacoma was kind of cruising along, not really making many changes. The Frontier was uh, essentially frozen in amber like a Jurassic Park sequel. And um, (laughs) then Chevrolet came out with the Colorado. GMC came out with the Canyon, and these were redone versions of trucks that had been not very good before and were suddenly much more competitive. And uh, GM really poured their heart and soul into it. We got diesel versions of the trucks. We have the ZR2 off-road. Denali ones, too. Denali, ZR2 off-road, the Bison version. I don't even know what the Bison is, but it's just fun to say. And um, Toyota was like... The Buffalo version. Toyota was like, "Uh uh-oh, we should do something. And then they kind of made a a half-hearted refresh of the Tacoma. I mean, it's it's not that different. It's it's, it's still a good truck, but I think that... The interior on the GM and the driving experience was just a lot better. So suddenly there was choice. And um, Ford looked at all of this and did absolutely nothing. Like They just kind of hung out. And they're like, yeah, F-150 sells 900,000 units a year. We don't want to put that in jeopardy. But over time, I think it became clear to them that they could make some money in the midsize truck segment. But they're doing it in a very unique way. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about the Ranger. Okay, what do you mean by unique way? What do you mean? There's no unique way. What, it has three wheels or it doesn't have a bed anymore? Like, what's its jam? What's its well, I'm not, uh, what, remember what I was saying that the uh, – there's, there's, there's a specific thing 
that you're that, struggling here. Give me because you freaked me out with this three wheel truck <laughs> thing, and now it's all I can think about. I'm like, who would buy a three wheel truck? Maybe Sammy would buy it. And what does that say about Sammy? Like it says some weird stuff. And anyway, I all right. So <laughs> um, all right. Remember when I said GM came with like a really full featured lineup for the Colorado and the Canyon? Yeah. Were you lying? <laughs> no, I wasn't lying. Okay. But what I mean is there were, there were uh, two body styles but many engines. You could get an entry-level four-cylinder. You could get an upgrade to a V6. You could get a diesel, and you could get off-road versions. Tacoma, same kind of deal. You can get a four-cylinder, a V6. They have a TRD off-road. They have a TRD Pro off-road. They probably have, like, a TRD Space Edition on the way. Like, what they, about they, the Amateur Edition? The Amateur Edition? No, Wait, that's TRD Am. T- TRD Sammy? Yeah. Oh wow, so oh. cruel. That was like, oh. that was uncalled for. I apologize for that. I don't know why. That was like that was just like a uh, like a pin to the heart for no reason. Yeah, like man. he's so trusting and open to me, and then uh, I just betray that. Um, I'm sorry, listeners. Due to emotional abuse, there won't be a podcast next week. <laughs> well, there will be, but it'll just me. It'll just be uh, me playing tapes of uh, Sammy's therapy uh, because I'm always surreptitiously recording every session. Uh, Super Forrester Robot, are you telling Ben all of my secrets? We do not have an exclusive agreement for therapy. What? No! I told you not to trust an AI. I trusted you. That's the first mistake and last mistake humanity will make. Mm. So I was making a point about the Ranger. (laughs) And that point is the Ranger does not give you any options. Wait, what? Yeah, so the Ranger comes in two body styles. You Mm -hmm. get a, you get a, uh... They're both four-door, but one of them's like a crew cab, and the other one has the rear hinge doors. Um, but there's only one engine. It's a turbo four. It makes 270 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque. So right away, you have a four-cylinder engine that makes more torque than any of the V6s that the competition have to offer. But okay. the reason this is important is because there's no real entry-level version of the Ranger. The the, the Colorados and, and Canyons start around 20 grand. The uh, Tacoma actually starts at 25 with the four-cylinder, but the Ranger starts around 25 with the one engine and goes up to like 40, 42. So if you're looking for a bargain, you're not going to find that in the Ranger. And if you're looking for like a basic work truck, you're not going to find that in the Ranger either. You're going to have to go to the Frontier, which is pretty inexpensive these days, or GM. Um, The reason Ford is doing this, in my opinion, is because the Ranger is targeted at lifestyle buyers. What and does that mean? We're all lifestyle. Buyers. No, what, I, buy a tr- I buy cars to live my life with them. But trucks are not necessarily lifestyle purchases. Trucks can be purchased for a specific task. If you want to tow yeah. and you need to tow every day or every week, you're going to buy a truck that does that. If you need to haul a lot of stuff in the cargo bed, you're going to buy a truck with a big cargo bed. So the so, ra- the Ranger comes with a five foot bed or a six foot bed, depending on whether you get the crew cab or not. But it's not huge. I mean, it's not like something where you would use it at a job site kind of deal. Um, and at that price point, you're, if you're a fleet buyer, you're not going to be buying the Ranger. Remember when it seemed – you were talking about the Orkin, man. Do you remember when it seemed like every university campus or college campus in the world had like a fleet of Rangers? <laughs> yeah. And, and – or any big facility really. Like if you had a campus, you had like 10 Rangers and they were just – you keep them forever. Um, you're not going to do that with this one. This one is aimed at people – who occasionally need a truck. They occasionally need a cargo bed to haul a kayak. They occasionally need to tow 7,500 pounds, which is what this truck can do. And it's actually okay. class leading in terms of cargo payload and in terms of towing uh, by about five to 700 pounds, depending on um, which model you're looking at. 
But uh, it, hold it, up, we gotta we gotta stop. We gotta you gotta you gotta slow down for a second because this is a truck that has so few options, which is the complete polar opposite of the F one fifty, which can come any way you want it. You want it with this engine, that bed style, that box, that you got a bajillion options for the F one fifty. I think there's over a hundred different configurations of the F one fifty, and this Ranger is just like if you're like i'm overwhelmed they're like well here's a ranger well you it's, go, okay you you've hit the nail on the head and you've done it accidentally as usual oh, yeah. um but that's in what this... happens when you swing hammers constantly <laughs> the f the f-150 is 100 percent the reason for why the ranger is the way it is because ford does not want to jeopardize f-150 sales Ford wants to continue selling 900,000 F-150s a year because they're very profitable. But they also want to get in on some mid-sized truck money. They have to protect the F-150. So how do they do that? They do that by going after a totally different customer. I don't think anyone who buys a Ranger would for a second consider buying an F-150. I don't think there's going to be any cross-shopping. I don't think you're going to go into the dealership for a Ranger and come out with an F-150. I think people who go for the Ranger, they want a truck they can put in their garage. They want a truck they can tow the boat on the weekend from time to time. They want a truck where they can throw some mountain bikes in the back, and they don't want a crossover. So that's why they're showing up looking at a vehicle like the Ranger. And what it, you're saying is this is the Ford version of a Subaru Baja. No, I'm not saying that at all because <laughs> the Baja was a terrible failure that in no way was designed to protect a major product line. I think the right. Ranger's entire existence is designed to protect the F-150 while making money off lifestyle buyers who have pretty deep pockets because the pricing on the Ranger is not cheap. Like I mentioned before, it's it starts at 25 and it goes up to like 40, 42. I mean, you can pay more for a Tacoma, but you have to work for it. Um and it's it's squarely aimed at Tacoma in the sense too that the entry level Rangers comes with a much more powerful engine. Uh, even even the V6s from GM and Toyota aren't that powerful in terms of how they feel when you're driving. Like they do the job, but they're not they're not really quick. The Ranger is pretty quick. It feels much more responsive in terms of throttle and acceleration. I was really impressed by that. Um, but it's again, it's a truck for people who don't want a full size truck. They're not going to do huge volume with it because they're not targeting entry level buyers. I think they're going to make a decent amount of money uh, from a very specific type of customer. And it's an interesting strategy from Ford because it, it kind of indicates where their head is at right now in terms of the lineup. I mean, the F-150 calls the shots and they're not going to do anything to risk that. I don't understand. They're canceling all of their cars. Why can't they make their trucks? Sweet too. Because the if you put the Ranger too close to the F one fifty in terms of features, it's gonna it's gonna eat away at sales. And if you make it too cheap, it's gonna eat away at sales too, because some people will be like, I'm not gonna buy a bare bones F one fifty, I'm gonna buy a Ranger instead. So you don't you have Even to be really it has so so little power in comparison to the F one fifty. Well what do you mean? I think it has more power than the base engine in the F one fifty, that's for sure. Uh, the three, oh, I've got this number in my head. Three, three. Is that what it, was? it is? Yeah. Something like that. V six. Okay. But the, the uh, other, the other yeah. thing too is, uh, um, there's another way where you can kind of see how Ford has protected their, their cash cow. And that's the interior of the Ranger is really not that great. It's like, I'm looking at a photo of it right now. And I was about to bring it up and be like, what is going on in here? It looks like an older vehicle and there's a reason for that this this platform is a global platform they imported it from the external markets 
um, there's a lot of, that has been changed. They didn't just, you know, slap a, a, a North American inspection sticker. On yeah, and they changed the kilometers to miles. We know they changed <laughs> so much. No, but uh, sheet metal's different in some places. The interior is different, but at the same time, it doesn't feel modern inside. And that's not a problem for me when I'm paying 25 grand for like the base XL. But if you're in the Lariat, which is supposed to be luxurious and is costing you 40 grand. It is not appropriate. It, it feels, yeah. I think Chrysler, sorry, Chrysler, where did that come from? The the Colorado and the Canyon, they're not super luxurious inside, but they look a lot better. There's a lot of detail. There's effort that was put into it. Um, it's just interesting to look at the dash and the center stack and all that. You're in the Ranger and you're like, wow, this feels like it's four years old. Um, I mean, that's the same way you can feel about the Taco and the Frontier feels even older than that. Yeah, so the, I mean, the Coma's interior is not that nice either, but it feels a little more modern than the Ford's. Wow, really? Yeah, I drove them back to back, um, and that was that was my impression. But uh, it, it's it's clear that they don't want to throw too much luxury into the Ranger because again, you don't. The Ford wants people buying King ranches, you know, like that's where the money is. So it, there's a, there's a lot of strategy going on for this truck. Um, it's got a 10 speed auto. What's that like? It is great. It is great. Excellent drivetrain. What? By, really? By, by far, I think. The best drivetrain in the midsize truck segment. Is that the uh, first combination of the 2.3 liter EcoBoost and a 10-speed? Yes, it has I, to be. I don't know that, but it's entirely possible. Oh, no, maybe the Mustang. One super interesting thing about the uh, 2.3 is in combined mileage, it matches the turbo diesel from the Colorado. <laughs> is that good or bad? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think a gas engine matching a diesel engine in fuel mileage is a bad thing? <laughs> Isn't it a big diesel? It's a 2.8? I guess it's half liter more. It's still a diesel. Huge. That's huge in my mind. I'm just saying it's pretty impressive. That's a good fuel mileage for a pickup. I, real world, who knows how it's going to be because you and I both know once those EcoBoost turbos start spooling yes. up, starts drinking down the gas. Um, do. Ford is aware of that. They understand that uh, when the engines work hard, they use more fuel. But um, one of the things that shocked me the most was, was towing with this thing. I towed this giant Moomba boat. I'm sorry, a what? Moomba. It's like a Moomba. They make speedboats. And uh, I was probably like 6,000, 7,000 pounds. And even starting on like an incline. Moomba. I'm truck... not listening to you at all. You keep talking. What is a Moomba? Moomba. The truck, uh, the truck did really well towing. I didn't tow up a grade at highway speeds, but I did tow up a grade around town. Mm-hmm. And the truck was cool. It felt like every other truck when you tow with it, 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 it didn't you know, stand out. I wasn't like, oh, this is a four-cylinder and it's really working hard and um the transmission felt smooth the whole time it was it was really well done would you recommend this car in its class now or like how do you how do you it didn't immediately come and make an impact in this class well i mean you is that an easy thing to say you 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 heard what i said Uh, it's it's aimed at a very specific customer and if you're that customer you're probably gonna like it if you don't care about the interior but you like the power Mm -hmm. um you're gonna be into this truck it doesn't handle as well as a Colorado or a Canyon. I think that that's still the really? bench. Yeah, that's still the benchmark for me. Those vehicles feel much more like a crossover than a truck to me. The Tacoma still feels like a truck. The Tacoma is an entirely different character. Uh, it, it is not really comparable, I don't think, to the Chev or Ford products. But uh, it has a huge following for its off-roading capability. Uh, for Ford makes an FX4 package for the Ranger. It's really good. We did some pretty legitimate off-roading with the truck. Um, a lot of departure angles, approach angles, uh, very steep stuff, mud pits, um, off-camber turns. The truck did well 
Ford's installed something called terrain management in it, which is, you know, every off-road has to have this, every off-road vehicle has to have this now. But uh, for the four-wheel drive trucks, you can, um, it has a locking, you can get an electronic locking rear-end four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive. But with terrain management, it adds like the ability to kind of sculpt the uh, traction control and stability control system for whatever type of ground you're covering, if there's snow, if there's mud, blah, blah, blah. It also has a, a forward crawl control. I've talked about this in the past, how I'm not really into that because I feel like if you're off-road, you don't want someone to be driving for you. You're kind of there to have fun, so why have this off-road cruise control at low speeds? But uh, Ford feels that you know if you're on a really long trail, like let's say you're seven miles of crawling around at five miles an hour, that can get tiring. So instead of concentrating on the throttle, you can just concentrate on steering. Mm-hmm. And um, I used it back-to-back with the Tacoma. And the Tacoma has the same feature, but the way it works, it sounds like stuff's breaking under the truck like it's like crack, 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 crack. <laughs> like the abs in the front yeah. of the truck is like just going crazy in the ford it's way quieter they, they, okay. they use a different they use the pump instead of a solenoid and uh it's it's had a, an effect so i mean if that matters to you ford's kind of ahead there too interesting i'm uh i don't know how i feel about this because i love small trucks i think trucks have become far too big far too expensive um and i don't know they just don't feel like they're 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 either really luxury oriented or they're very utility oriented and there's nothing else but those two options in the trucking world and this what are you talking about there's like so many different... there's so many gradations between between those there's like four different semi luxury trucks you can get from ford now I isn't there i hate that i hate that you can get a limited you can get a platinum you can get a king ranch you can get a queen ranch you can get the bishop. I don't know. Like it's just the they're bishop. Just, they're just yeah. I guess I was just going for chess pieces now. Um, there's just a bajillion features. They're all trying to upsell themselves to somebody, and I don't know. You know, I like the idea of the the, the lifestyle. This is the one that's for kayakers or for um, off-roading and off-road enthusiasts. I get that. I like that. Um, I like that more definite definition of things. Definite definitions no? on the unnamed automotive podcast. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> um, the Tacoma sells over 200,000 units in 2018. This won't – well, first of all, 2018 is almost over. so That's that a lot of pressure happen. on the Rangers, Sammy, especially <laughs> since it doesn't go on sale until 2019. <laughs> <laughs> but I and I don't think it will be even close, right? No, of course not. It, but it doesn't need to be. That, that was, That's the whole point of the Ranger. They're going to make big bank on it because the price is high mm-hmm. and the costs on their end are low. And they're just going after a specific customer. I think GM together sells like what 150,000 units of Canyon, Colorado. Okay. So it's you know it's that that's GM's going for volume. Toyota's got the volume. Frontier is just kind of hanging around, and Ford is like, yeah, we're gonna try something different. So kudos to them for trying something different. One thing. I kind of wish, you know, that they'd spent a few years on the sidelines. Would have been nice if they'd poured that development time into making the Ranger really great inside. But I can understand their reasons for not doing it. And it gives them a chance to test the waters, too, and see if the next generation Ranger is worth throwing a bunch of cash at. Um, a lot of people have been looking to forward to the idea of a Ranger Raptor in North America. And Ford has, like, not, has, like, said no de- no deal to that, or at least not just yet. As, as far you- as I... As far as I know, Ranger Raptor in in the international market is diesel only. It's mm-hmm. not at all like the one that we have on the uh, F-150. I also think that Ranger Raptor, it, it would eat into F-150 sales if they had something like that. Because the Ranger is really good off-road for its narrow wheelbase and, or sorry, short wheelbase and narrow body. 
So yep. it, you can take corners and go on trails that you would not be able to do in a full-size truck. Perfect. The 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 Ranger the the F one fifty Raptor is more designed for de- dune bashing and desert runs, right? So like so, if I want an off road ready an off road truck that I can feel really confident in, I have to get the Raptor, and that's a ton of money. And there's no smaller one that will work in trails. No, I think you get a Colorado ZR2 or a TRD. I think those are really good vehicles. So Ford's going to be cool with just giving that away. No, Ford has the FX has the FX4, which is fine for them for now. I mean, remember, they're not targeting hardcore off-road people. They're targeting lifestyle people. So if you have to go off-road to get where you're going for your lifestyle, then the FX4 is going to be great for that. Um, I this don't... is such a bizarre. It's a bizarre thing because we're we're getting this Ranger right now, and then we saw in the LA Auto Show this Gladiator from Jeep coming along um and now the small pickup truck market is getting kind of crowded and what's going on right you know i didn't even think about the gladiator i don't think it competes um you know that's Ooh. an interesting question Shot, no. shots fired doesn't no. even compete let me think about this I'm because fo- hi is this jeep yeah ben ben hates your, your truck no i don't think i don't think for a second the gladiator competes with the tacoma the colorado or the canyon Why? i think because it's a lifestyle truck so it's it not the Ranger. It's not practical enough to be used as a pickup on a regular basis. It is. Does it have um, the same size bed as this Ranger? I think so. But I but the other the my other point is it's too big to do serious off roading with. Okay. So it's it, so serious off roaders aren't buying it. Mm-hmm. Regular truck buyers aren't buying it. Lifestyle people are buying it. So yeah, it is a good um, target for the Ranger. But I didn't, cool. you know. I'm kind of thinking – I've already submitted my pieces Uh-oh. for uh, the Ranger, and you'll be able to read those in the show links. But I didn't think about the Jeep because I haven't driven it. No one's driven it. And I don't like speculating about what a vehicle is going to be like um, until I've actually been behind the wheel. That at least not, not in, fair. We should speculate constantly. This is what at least, this is podcast for. Unnamed at least not in writing. No, I'll speculate now, and I'll okay. say that, yeah, I think the Ranger and the Gladiator – might go up against each other, but I still think I'm, I mean the Gladiator is going to be way different to drive. It's going to be right. much, much truckier than than, than the Ranger is, and, and it's going to really be. Good, I think that's a really good image to give people right now is that they can see the Ranger not being really trucky. No, it that. is trucky though because but not really Col- trucky. The Colorado and the Canyon drive much more like a crossover than the Ranger right. does. Um, but in terms of utility, I mean, and, and configurability and all that, yeah, the Ranger is, is aimed at one specific person. Fifty Shades of Truck, that's what we've got today. So, uh, Sammy, what uh, what did you drive last week? I drove two cars, uh, two vehicles. One is the 2019 Nissan Maxima, and the other one is the 2019 Nissan Murano. Now, both of these cars have been so lightly updated for 2019 that it's easy to think that nothing actually happened to them. They have the same engines, they have the same platforms, they have the same technology and features. Uh, they've shuffled some of the technology around so you can get more of the safety equipment in, like, baser trims. And... I don't know. I think driving these two cars really um, brought back a lot of feelings, and I'd like to talk about <laughs> feelings those. from where, Sammy. I'd like to t- from from my fingertips. Um, okay. And I want to talk about these these two vehicles. Let's start with the Moreno. Sammy, because... this is the Forester robot. Are you sure you want to talk about these feelings yes, in a public Forrester forum? Robot. I'm totally comfortable with uh, with expressing myself. Feelings. Morano. Unlike you, who shares all of my deep secrets with Ben and the podcast listeners. Why was I programmed to have no shame? Because <laughs> you're a Subaru. Um, 
All right, let's get to the Miranda because I think I'll probably spend more time talking about the Maxima in a minute. The Miranda is a perfectly decent uh, crossover. It's kind of weird. I always thought that these, um, I don't know what, they're like, I guess they're considered full-size um, crossovers. Well, that's a mid-size. I, okay. I think the Miranda is a mid-size. Right, mid-size. That's a great way to put it. See, it could be considered a mid-size, it's considered a mid-size crossover, but compact crossovers have become so um practical and it's if true. you and if you wanted a bigger or more space for a for from the compact you would jump straight to the three row uh crossovers and you'd probably skip over something like the murano yeah so like if i if i have a rogue mm-hmm. like why do i buy a murano when you can get the pathfinder instead no i i think the pathfinder is too big but what i'm saying is what's better about the murano versus the rogue okay that's exactly what i was trying to identify and the murano it isn't even that practical. It's got less space than its key competitors, uh, and I and I and I identify the, let's say the, what's it called, the Ford Edge and the Subaru Outback as its key competitors. Those are other crossovers that don't have a third row. Okay. They're mid-size to full-size. Um, Another one, uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, I think would fit in there too. I think, the, yeah, the Grand Cherokee is pretty big. I think the point of all of these vehicles. That makes them better than the compact is that they have more luxury, style, and technology. That's the point of the Murano, in my opinion. Okay, I can see that over the Rogue for sure, which is you know it's it's a good vehicle, but it can be a little basic in some areas. Absolutely, especially interior and even exterior. I think the 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 Rogue lacks some personality, and the Murano has that uh, in spades. It's a gorgeous looking crossover. Um, definitely the highlight of the the vehicle is the way it looks, um, inside and out. However. A car that tops out at $45,000 US, it um, it had wood tone trim, but not actual wood trim, which I thought was a bit of a bummer. I was mm. hoping, you know, if your car is going to prioritize premium and luxury features, they should do something premium luxurious. Um, and that's that's not how you do it. Otherwise, I really enjoyed the car. It's a little it's a little uh, slow, boring to drive. Um but it's worth pointing out, I think in 2002 or 2003, when the Murano was introduced, that was like the age of SUVs and gas-guzzling vehicles. And the Murano showed up and was like, no, crossovers are the future. And, um, well, it seems like SUVs and crossovers are both the future now, right? But I think I think the Murano also kind of evolved, too, because when it first came out, it was not that stylish. And it looks a, <laughs> lot, it looks a lot better now. It was ugly, yeah, let's be honest. What about the Murano Cross Cab, though? They tried to show show off just how pretty that was. Right? Cross Cab, mad respect for the Cross Cab. Bring it back. Really? Want, yeah. Anyone, any car company that does something weird and different like that, I'm all about that. You'll never hear me. Trash talk a company for taking a crazy risk with a convertible SUV. <laughs> so, yeah. But you were just talking about the Jeep uh, Gladiator. You can take the roof off of that. It, it's... <laughs> you seem to get you, no respect. Zero respect for Gladiators. You just what do you like want me name. to say, Manny? Back me in a corner now. What do you want <laughs> me to say? I just don't like the name or something. Let's move on. Okay. Um, what would I say is the advantage of this vehicle? It's pretty inside and out it's pretty quiet it's it's comfortable what i like a lot about it and this is almost um in contrast to a number of other probably what the buying public wants this car is simple in the way that you you get in you drive it there's no sport mode there's no comfort mode there's no eco mode it's just that's the way it drives this is the way it, it is and i think that's perfectly good um the steering's a little light the suspension is very soft it's very quiet it's a very comfort oriented vehicle 
Okay. Any, any questions? I mean, does it, it's it's like you said, it's a light refresh, so it's not you know, it's not not, not a huge difference. Do you think that the where does the Murano stand in the hierarchy of the vehicles that you mentioned? Um, near the, I would take the. I think the Edge is a better value because you can get more power. There's more powertrains available for it, for, for starters. And the ST is, like, super powerful. It's got 330 horsepower. Um, also, it has more space. And I don't think the Edge is particularly ugly. I also think if you're going for more of the utilitarian use, why you'd get a midsize SUV or crossover instead of a compact because you want lots of space. The Outback has tons of space. It's so It's so spacious. And it comes standard with all-wheel drive. So that adds to its practicality element. Um, and if you want something that's more um, functional uh, or, or capable, that Grand Cherokee you mentioned, you can't beat that, man. Um, so, and, I, and I think that each of those have their advantages, but if you're just trying to make a statement that you don't want to jump to a premium brand for, like a Lexus or an Acura, then the Murano's key point is that it's pretty and fairly luxury-oriented. Um, okay. But I, and the other car, the Maria. Yeah, I was going to ask Maxima. about the Maxima. I was going to ask about the Maxima because I, I'm going to go on record. I like the Maxima a lot. I think it looks good. I think it has a really great interior for the price. Mm-hmm. It's a stealth luxury car in the sense that it doesn't, you know, come across as being a luxury car from a marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. But you get inside of it, and it's super comfortable, and you get a lot of features, and it's it's reasonably good to drive. It is comfortable to drive. So I've always liked that vehicle. Right, so please down. tell me, please gotta, tell me, please I, tell me. They haven't messed that up. No, hold on. Just repeat everything you just said. I'm just going to use this for my article. Uh, we are recording this, Sammy. Super luxury. Look at Sammy pretending he knows how to type. Okay. Um, I they they haven't messed with that. The only thing I laugh about Maxima is uh, they still call it the Ford DSC, which is the four door sports car, and I think Ugh. that's a marketing term gone um, just overboard. I love the way this car, one, it looks great. It really, really looks great. This is um, Nissan's design studio at its its height, I think. Um, it's great. It looks great. And the interior is even better than the exterior. And it's, it's it rivals luxury cars in terms of its design. I love the interior. We even had a new version of the interior called Rakuda Tan, which is actually based on the gtr it's the same leather the same design used in the gtr Ooh, you know the gtr right i do i've heard of it in case you haven't heard of the gtr ben it's this wicked car it has like 565 horsepower it does zero to 60 in like three and a half seconds it's super cool and the fact that you can get some actual inspiration from that vehicle into something more family oriented like the Maxima without having to spend six figures is pretty cool. I love the way that this thing drives, although the steering is a little bit on the heavy side. I do think it still drives pretty good. And unlike the Murano, this has a sport mode. Um, and you know, when you, when you put it in that, the CVT, and again, I hate saying a CVT is in a sporty car, but the CVT keeps the revs nice and high. Um, which can disrupt the sort of luxury feeling of the car when things are like buzzing and vibrating a little bit. But that's the the, 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 the trade-off you make when you want to drive this vehicle a little bit more aggressively. Yeah, and I, I don't find the Maxima's really all that rewarding to drive aggressively. I just like how it's comfortable and competent. Like, And I think that's all it has to be. I mean, it, it, to me, the Maxima's going up against like the Toyota Avalon. And yeah, the Avalon the, is the Avalon, not... The Avalon, I think um, that's, a perfect, that's a perfect contrast for it, right? 
And I don't think anyone expects the Avalon to be sporty, regardless of the fact that there's a TRD version of the Avalon, which we talked about in the past. Right. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the only natural thing now is for Nissan to make a Nismo version of the Maxima. And what would you like to see? <laughs> this, is, You know what? It's actually a 300 horsepower V6. It sounds great. It looks good. I think I won't call it like uh, like a sport. I won't call it a four-door sports car, but it is far more fun to drive than it has any right to be. It's a front-wheel drive sedan. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 not a sports car. Okay, and no, hit me. That's Why do you fine. want a Nismo? A Nismo's gonna have the the front, the a lower front bump. No, I don't even want to talk oh, about the Nismo. Diffuse. Yeah, we have to. No, because I was so disappointed <laughs> with this the Sentra SCR Nismo oh, yeah. whatever yeah. that I am no longer willing to talk about Nismo until that is fixed. Oh wow! They burned you so hard. They they put the they did. of silence of a body. They did because I have no faith that a Maxima Nismo would be anything more than like a body kit and some badges. But they actually so. have a decent base with the Maxima, right? Yeah, At least still, the but like already fun to drive and it's got a great engine. It's still like a pretend Nismo unless it's like performance oriented, right? But and if I, I don't go up against Maxima. an Avalon TRD, I don't need the Maxima to be performance oriented. I just don't need it. Um. What else can I say about it? It has Android Auto and Apple CarPlay support. I know you hate both of those features, so I try to bring them up as often as possible. It has Amazon Alexa support, too, so you can talk to your Amazon Alexa and somehow it'll do something to your car. It has USB Type-A and Type-C, which is kind of cool. Not very many cars feature Type-C support, and I was wondering if you had any input, if you had any thoughts about that. Your phone uses Type-C, or is that just mine? So when you say Type C, it has a C to C connector, or because yeah. most cars have a USB A. Yeah, this has a C um, female port, so that you would plug the small bit into the small part into your car. I don't have a single C to C cable. Yeah, neither do I. But my phone takes C. Yeah, my phone takes C too. I think all phones are kind of on that path these days. But apparently, if we took a if we took a C to C cable. Um, which is going to get really awkward to say a bunch of times. C to C, it feels like we're driving across the country. I kind of feel like I don't want to have to change my cable lifestyle because I bought a car. <laughs> well, no, there's still a Type A, but apparently, if you tr- if you use a Type C, it'll charge um, extremely fast. It'll probably charge as fast as they say a fast charger would. Okay, that's, that's, that's great. That's not <laughs> a reason why I'm ever buying a car. There's never a point where I'm like, oh, uh, does it have USB C? No deal. <laughs> That is never happening. Okay. Then how about this? It has a great new name for uh, – it's got a, a three new exteriors. One is called – you've got to follow me on this – Sunset Drift Chroma Flare. Have you heard of Chroma Flare? Okay, wait a minute. Before? Sunset Drift sounds like either a video game from yeah. 1987 yeah. or a character from a TV show yeah. <laughs> set in a similar time. Have, have you met – have you met Sunset Drift? He's the raddest surfer on the beach. Locals only, bro. Yeah, exactly. I love this guy. Um, and they finally named your this really nice orange-red paint after him. And this chroma flare has these flakes, these like metallic flakes, that can transition from like red to gold. Now, I thought it was based on the mood of the driver, but apparently it just has It's Faces of the Moon, right? Tell me it's Faces it, of the Moon. It, it has to be. That'd be so cool. But it's just the, the way the light hits it. And that's kind of neat. Um... To see yeah, it. I guess if you like driving in the daytime, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, if you're not vampire or vampire adjacent, this is the car for you. <laughs> um, I'm I 
like the max of these two cars that were very lightly refreshed. I like the max much Maxima much more. Although I think in both of their classes, they're running out of um, momentum that, like I said before, midside midsize crossovers are getting outdone by better compact and three row crossovers today. Um, and uh, the, the full size uh, sedan market is also being overrun. That, New Accord is so good. Have you driven the new Accord recently? It's so good. I have driven it. It is pretty good. And you know, no one buys the Maxima. Why be see why, why why be secretive about it? It's a very low volume vehicle, and it's too bad because I really like it. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, these are segments that are running out of steam, um, and I don't know why I had to go and drive these two cars. But I'm kind of glad that I did because, um, like I said, the Murano puts style and luxury first in a in a way that other automakers just aren't doing as much anymore. And the Maxima just it reminded me that this is a really good nameplate um, that keeps. Nissan's, I think, sedan DNA alive. It's good sedan DNA. You know what I mean? Speaking of running out of steam, while Sammy sputters on about sedan DNA, um, I think we might have reached the end of this week's podcast. Is that correct, Sammy? I think that's it, man. And and uh, what are we going to be talking about next week? I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. Let's, well, uh, I have, and okay. um, I, <laughs> I want to talk about the Subaru Ascent, because I know Sammy has driven it recently, and we talked about it, but it's time for my opinion, because this is a two-way street, a two-way podcast. And in, in, in speaking of two-way podcasts, if you want to reach out to us and make this a three-way podcast, um, you can do that in a number of ways. You can reach Sammy on Twitter, because he is a brave man who doesn't care that accessing twitter is the equivalent of doing that thing in star trek 2 where spock touched those dilithium crystals to save everyone's life and then died what that's are how, you talking about that's how toxic twitter is right. and it anyway it does whatever twit sammy's twitter handle is at sammy underscore ha like you're laughing mm-hmm. if you want to get a hold of me come to instagram where people are friendly and um there's very little chance that you're going to be called something that you'll never forget for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> my, my my twitter handle i mean instagram handle is uh at hunting benjamin or you can email me the old-fashioned way send me a smoke signal towards benjamin at benjaminhunting.com sammy are there other ways to get in touch with us yeah we also have a contact form on our website that's unnamed automotivepodcast.com and while you're there you can check out all of our previous episodes or you can subscribe so you receive future episodes immediately and those subscription buttons are on the top of our website and they'll let you subscribe using your favorite podcast client including apple itunes apple Podcasts, google play music google Podcasts, and spotify as well as some other ones too Castbox. And yes, cast box. So be sure to do all of that. We wouldn't mind if you gave us a review or some feedback. That really goes a long way. It helps us make our podcast even better, maybe more fun or maybe more informative, depending on whatever kind of feedback you send us. How could it be more fun than it already is? Well, I mean, we could try not to put each other down so often, I guess. No, that's that's entirely the basis of our friendship. (laughs) It should just be the unnamed uh, automotive just put down show. Yeah, put down show. <laughs> um, so actually, I just remember what I will be talking about next week. I have the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk, and I will also be driving the Hyundai Santa Fe. What do you think of that? Oh, that's interesting. You know what? I have the Santa Fe coming soon, too, and we'll be able to do a comparison of our feelings. Because if if nothing else, Unnamed Automotive Podcast is about feelings. That's true. And cars. Mostly cars. Yeah, I guess cars are like a feeling, though. <laughs> So right? I, can't right? Wait, I can't wait <laughs> to share those cars and feelings with you next week. Okay, Ben? All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.